Hey, good morning, folks. I am not going to say anything about this so I don't jinx them today. Um, Just saying, okay? Um, I I have a habit, or at least in my mind, I think I have an impact on them when I talk about them. But hey, I I want to share a couple stories today. uh, these are some dad stories. My, da- my dad's in town. He's going to be here at second service, and I've introduced you to my dad to some, uh, some of you guys. The apples, believe me, the apples don't fall too far from the apple tree. But I, I want to share some, um, you know, as a kid when I was growing up, uh, my dad had a million sayings, um, little teachings to us, prophecies, if you will. And, and some of them were real practical. Like um, he would say two objects cannot occupy the same space at the same time. Real practical. You know, like when we were like, a car would back into one another. It, would, it was real practical. Um, or, or when we were wandering on our path, be it um, physically or emotionally, he would say, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. Um, but some of them were more um, challenges to us. A coward dies a thousand deaths, but a hero dies but one. And then some were more philosophical. Um, you, will, they, you will forget what people tell you, but you will never forget how they made you feel. Um, you'll forget what people tell you, but you'll never forget how they made you feel. All, all true. And then there was a mix of practical and philosophical. And this is where my, my mom and dad disagreed somewhat on their raising us kids. Um, and uh, this was when I went to mom, my mom and dad and said, hey, help me. Give me some guidance when I'm looking for a, a spouse. And, and mom, mom's um, counsel to us was marry your best friend. And dad's counsel to us, always the practical one, was marry someone with good teeth. Um, and, and, and for years, for years, my best friend was Richie Swedborg, and he didn't have the best teeth, so I, that wasn't working for me. Um, later on, my dad, as my dad got older, he would say to us, never pass a working bathroom. And the older I get, I'm starting to understand what that means. Um, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, hey, uh, just welcome this morning. We are in week four of an eight-week series of messages called The Good Book. Um, each week we've been looking at select stories from the Bible, the good book, and we've been unpacking eight big themes found in its pages and trying to connect um, our stories with God's story. And this morning we're unpacking the last part of the Old Testament themes, and this one comes from the prophets or the writings of the prophecies, and we've titled this message, Tough Love, Troubled Times. Tough Love, Troubled Times. Um, when I was a senior in college, upstate New York, me and a couple of buddies, um, we saw an advertisement for learning how to skydive. Um, Seneca, Seneca Falls Jump School, 35 bucks, all-day jump school, ending with your first parachute jump at the end of the day. Um, 21 years old, nothing sounds too crazy. This sounded awesome. Um, the morning of jump school, um, there's a bunch of us there. Most of us college-age kids or high school-age kids Older folks know better, Um, and we're all nervous, and we're goofing around, and then the jump master, the one who's going to teach us how to skydive, he he calls us together and gets our attention immediately. He says, if you guys, if you guys don't pay attention today, if you don't listen to me today, that's okay, but you'll die. All of us, (laughs) all of us narrowed in right to this guy. You got our attention. Focus on this. This is important. Life and death matters. That jump master, like the prophets, was holding the light. He would show us what we had to know. No more goofing around. This is serious. He was all about tough. But I want to say this was tough love because he cared. Nobody, nobody gets hurt on my watch. 
For the next eight hours during jump school, we were glued to this guy. We paid attention to him. We practiced. We practiced what he taught us. We paid attention to him. How to look at the horizon as we landed. How to not tense up when we landed. But more importantly, how to jump out of the plane. What to do and when. And if it's okay with you guys, um, I'd like to take you through the sequence uh, of jumping out of the airplane. But you guys have to practice it with me. I'll show you one time. And... and, uh, we're not going to jump today, and you, got, you don't have to stand or anything, but if you would do it with me. But he, here's the sequence. It's, and you jump, you jump out of the plane, you're, you're falling like this. It's arch 1,000. You've got a ripcord right here. Arch 1,000, look 1,000, reach 1,000, pull 1,000, arch 1,000, and then look back 1,000. You're checking to see, make sure your chute's um, open. But um, if you guys would just echo back with me, and uh, a lot of prayers said on the way down with the parachute. Um, um, but if you guys would... Uh, Echo back to me, okay? Arch 1,000. Look 1,000. Reach 1,000. Pull 1,000. Arch 1,000. Look back 1,000. Okay, one more time, and then you, you, you've got a cheap version. No price for this, okay? One, one more time. Arch 1,000. Look 1,000. Reach 1,000. Pull 1,000. Arch 1,000. Look back 1,000. You guys ready? Um, That was almost 40 years ago. Um, muscle memory, muscle memory, tough love is about heart muscle and heart muscle memory. Being in the hands and feet of Jesus when, it, when times get tough. Um, hey, just one thing about um, jumping out of a plane. There are some things you only have to do once. I am never going to jump out of a plane again. Um, but, but that jump master, he was all about tough love. He wanted us to get it right. He didn't want to lose any of us rookie sky, skydiver wannabes. If we didn't understand something, he went over and over until we got it. He knew this stuff was important, life or death important. Even if we didn't fully understand what we were doing, he did. And I'm guessing he knew folks who didn't pay attention or didn't get it quite right, and they got seriously hurt or worse. Tough love. My tough, left, my tough love definition um, for this morning is stepping up and into a given situation, a tough situation, and doing, it, doing what it takes to speak life and love into that situation or into that person. Tough love is about loving someone when it's tough. Um, troubled times, um, today, troubled times back then. If you open up a newspaper, listen to the news, get alerts on your phone or your computer, we know we live in troubled times right now. The prophets of the Old Testament, they lived during troubled times as well. Tough times, hard times, and some of the struggle came from political unrest and religious corruption and division. But some of the struggle in ancient Israel came from outside, early superpowers wanting to dominate and conquer and crush those in their path. I just want to touch on one of the prophets, Jeremiah. He was born during some of this troubled time. And the Babylonians were threatening what remained of Israel at the time. Again, political strife and religious corruption were destroying it from within. And God chose Jeremiah to be a voice for him during this time. And these are, this is from Jeremiah. The word of the Lord came to me. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I, God, appointed you a prophet to the nations. I, God, appointed you, Jeremiah, to be prophet to the nations. I just want to fuss with what a prophet's role is a bit. Um, It's another dad story. I'm pretty sure my dad and I worked on things in the daytime around our home. 
But the projects I remember most were the ones when we worked on in the dark at night. And my job as a little kid was to hold the light, um, to hold the flashlight, to, to hold it steady and point it on the area that my dad was working on so he could fix whatever. My dad was a fix-it guy. Um, now, as a little boy, I had the, tensions, the attention span of a gnat. Uh, my wife would say, <laughs> it hasn't changed much. But, but as, my, as my dad would be working away, invariably my mind would wander away from the task at hand. And as my mind wandered, so did the light. Any of you folks... Hold the light, folks, for your dad. Um, it was not a paid position in my house. Um, but if you're taking notes, this is the first one I want you to capture. Hold the light. Number one, hold the light. Um, the prophets of the Old Testament, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, all the way to Malachi, a total of 16 prophet writings, roughly a third of the Old Testament, all of them either pointing us towards the light or reminding us that our lights have wandered, our focus has wandered, and we need to get back on track. Just some verses from, from the prophets. This is from Isaiah. Come, O house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Again from Isaiah later on. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And this is from Micah. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Pastor Patrick reminding us last Sunday about being light and salt in the world, that we are not the source of the light. God is the source. We are just the container. Hold the light. Shine the light. Prophets point us toward the light. Remind us when we've wandered. Tim Keller, um, one of my favorite authors, he's a pastor, has been a pastor in New York. He wrote a book called Prodigal God. Maybe some of you guys know about that one. But when he started Redeemer Presbyterian Church years ago back in New York City, he told his wife, this was going to be a tough time. These next three years were going to be really tough, and I'm, I'm going to give everything I've got. But after those three years, I'm going to cut back, and we'll have a normal schedule, we'll have a normal life. Um, he promised his wife, Kathy, after that time, you know, well, things will settle down. Um, but those first three years flew by, and there were still tons of work to do. And Tim Keller kept saying, hey, hey, in a couple of months, I, I, we'll get back on track. I, I promise you, I'll be, I'll, be, uh, I'll be a dad and a husband more often. Um, Kathy, his wife, um, kept reminding him, you promised, you promised. One day after a while, Tim comes home and he notices the door to their apartment's balcony is open. And just as he's taking off his jacket, he hears this smashing noise coming from the balcony. Another couple of seconds, he hears another crashing noise and he runs out to the balcony and to his surprise, there's his wife sitting um, on the balcony. She's got a hammer in one hand and a stack of their wedding china uh, next to her. Um, and on the ground, there were these shards of these smashed saucers. And thinking that his wife has lost it, he asked Kathy, what, Babe, what, what's going on? What, what are you doing? And she looked up and said, You are not listening to me. You don't realize that if you keep working like this, you're going to destroy our family. I don't know how to get through to you. You aren't seeing how serious this is. This is what you are doing. And she picked up another saucer and smashed it into a thousand pieces. The Old Testament prophets were like Kathy. They were trying to get God's people's attention, and oftentimes words wouldn't work. They often needed to act in certain ways, dramatic ways, radical ways, to get folks to listen. And that's what Kathy Keller was doing. Kathy was a prophet, and now she had her husband's full attention. Tim Keller describes it this way. I sat down next to my wife, trembling. I thought she had snapped. I'm listening, he said. I'm listening. And as they talked things through, Tim says, her arguments were the same as they had been for months but I realized how deluded I had been. 
There would never be a convenient time to cut back. I had to do something. When he finally listened and understood what his wife was saying, he apologized and repented. More important, he took action and changed his behavior. Um, when Jesus comes on the scene, the first, the first red ink in Mark's gospel, he says this, the time has come. No more messing around. The time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. The king is at hand. Repent and believe in the good news. Repent and believe in the good news. Um, Jewish tradition had the Jewish people of old walking backwards into the future. They were always looking back. Remember the story. Remember the story. Walking backwards into the future. When Jesus came on the scene, he said, turn around. The time has come. Turn around. Look towards the future. Trust me. Trust me. Above all else, trust me. Jewish tradition walking backwards into the future. Point number one, hold the light. Prophets, again, point us toward the light. Remind us when we've wandered. Point number two, if you're taking notes, hold the hill. Hold the hill. Um, I know some of you probably remember learning how to drive a stick shift, uh, standard transmission. Um, you remember once you got the, the clutch thing and letting off the gas and the shifting thing and you stopped stalling it every time you started and stopped, the next thing you feared, you guys know it, it was the hill, um, holding the hill, um, the fear of rolling backwards, the fear of rolling into someone behind you. And I remember when I, uh, my dad was teaching me um, to drive a clutch, I mean, I just avoided hills as best as I could. I was just trying to avoid every hill. But despite my best efforts to avoid hills, hills happened. And some of the hills I knew I would encounter, and I have to struggle with them if I wanted to get to a certain place. Others, especially if I was traveling to some new place, I would just have to deal with the hills as they came along. Hold the hill. We have to learn to hold the hill. Some of us, myself included, have gone out of our way to avoid the hills. Just like some of us have often gone out of our way to avoid stepping into the trouble to help someone. Stepping into the messes of our life and the messes that our lives touch. Shining the light in the midst, being the light in the midst, holding the light. Our hesitation to accept God's call, God's stirring in us, God's whisper to us, go help that person. Our response sometimes, oftentimes, I'd rather sit this one out, Lord. Use somebody else. Our struggle to be tough love in troubled times. And the prophets, same thing. Jeremiah's call. When God called Jeremiah to step up to the plate, you know what he said? He said, uh, as I quote my, my bearded friend over here, no freaking way am I going to go do that. Am I going to be your voice? No way. You get somebody else. I'm too young. I don't, I don't know nothing about nothing. Get somebody older. I don't even shave. Get somebody who's got a beard and tattoos. He'll do it. He'll get it. Jeremiah knew what a prophet's job was like, and he didn't want any part of that. It's tough, tough, tough stuff to follow God's call, especially during troubled times. And it was against his instincts. He knew it wasn't going to be easy. The prophet Jonah, the same thing. God tells him to go to Nineveh, go to Nineveh. He doesn't even say no to God. Secretly, he goes downstairs, gets a one-way ticket to Tarshish, and goes that way. Um, can I say this, just going back to my skydiving story, when it came my time to jump out of that perfectly good airplane, and when the jump master said that we're over the jump zone, and on his count, three, two, one, you've got to jump, it was against every instinct in my body to leave that perfectly good airplane. Common sense said, no, don't be stupid. Common sense told Jeremiah and Jonah the same thing. 
No, I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it. A prophet's role, convention office assumes a prophet's role, someone who predicts the future. And to be sure, that happens in the prophetic writings. Isaiah, some 700 years before Jesus was born, talks about that first Christmas day. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then Isaiah 53, pointing to the cross in Good Friday in that first Easter morning. But more times than not, a prophet is called to tell it like it is, to speak the truth to folks that have lost focus, lost the light, disconnected for whatever reason from God and the truth and grace. Our tendency to drift, to roll backwards away from God, away from each other, and God's challenge to us to hold the hill. From James, um, Jesus' half-brother, consider it, consider it pure joy brothers and sisters, whenever we face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And that, uh, that word perseverance in, in Greek is hupomone. Just love that word. Partly I love that word because it rhymes with poop amone. <laughs> perseverance is doing the hard stuff. Perseverance is running the Boston Marathon, and when you get to Heartbreak Hill, and you've got nothing left in the tank, you keep going. God calls us to keep going, to hold the hill. Back to my skydiving story, I remember reading in our school newspaper later that same year about someone who was killed at the jump school. The story shared that when the person's main chute opened, it was a partial failure. The chute didn't inflate. It was a giant streamer. And if that happened, you were supposed to release the, the chute, get out of the harness, and then punch your reserve chute. And this person panicked. When the main chute didn't open, they went right to the reserve chute, and it opened for a second and then tangled with the main chute and collapsed. Witnesses said it happened so fast. While we were doing our training, um, skydiving training, we practiced over and over again, what, what would we do if there was a parachute failure, especially a partial failure? We practiced it over and over and over again until we got it. But I'm not sure I really got it. If there was a partial failure for me, I'm not sure if I would have done the right thing. I think I would have gone right to the reserve chute and punched it. Especially when you're falling to the ground and the ground is coming up fast. When things go wrong or when trouble happens in and around you, what's, what's my response? What's our response? Do we step up into the mess? Do we pray, Lord, get me out of this? Or do we pray, Lord... What do you want me to get out of this? Tough love, tough love, troubled times. Hold the light, hold the hill. And sometimes I believe the only way we hold the light or hold the hill is with some help. We need a hand. And that's our, our third point, hold a hand. If you're taking notes, on our own, this hold the light, hold the hill stuff can be really hard and we need help. A couple of summers ago, my wife and I were in our backyard and we hear these couldn't see them, but we heard these two young neighbor boys um, just around the back of our, our home. And one of the little boys, like four or five years old, he was saying, are you there? Are you there? Do you see my hand? Do you see my hand? Are you there? Do you see my hand? And those are words I think we really need to hear sometimes. Are you there? Do you see my hand? From Jeremiah, although he was a reluctant prophet, he became a tough prophet. He also extended a, a hand of hope a hand to the Israelites, 
but he extends it to us. This is one of my favorite verses. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and the future. Some of you folks remember the movie Steel Magnolias. Um, it's an older movie. Um, 1989 is when it came out. We watched it as a family a couple of Sunday nights ago. It was so good and powerful and funny, but a witness to the gospel. Tough love, troubled times. And there's a scene near the end of the movie, Sally Fields plays this mom, and she has just lost her adult daughter, played by Julia Roberts, and she is at the cemetery after the funeral, at her daughter's grave by herself. Most everyone has left, but her friends, they see her lingering at the grave, and they go back to her, and they just hold her and love on her, and then Sally Fields, she starts to lose it emotionally. She goes from, I have to get through this. I will get through this. I'm not going to let this beat me, to being so angry and upset. How could this happen? Crying out and telling folks, she just wants to hit something. And that's when one of, one of the friends, Olympia Dukakis, grabs Weezer, um, this cranky lady played by Shirley MacLaine, and she says, hit Weezer, hit Weezer. Weezer, it's, it's time you finally did something for your mankind. Um, and it's a funny scene. It breaks the tension, but it's hard too because some of us have been there. We've come to a funeral of a friend or a loved one or a spouse that died way too young, this is tough stuff, hard stuff, troubled times. It's tough love stuff. It's those friends going back to the gravesite and walking with their friend through the heartache of loss. Tough love, sometimes we think tough love is when we've said no to our kids to the candy bar or no to staying up late. But I think the, the real tough love definition is this. When a friend says, hey, hey, do you have a minute? And you don't but you know what's important to park your to-do list and you give them as much time as they need. Do you know what that is? When a 20-something-year-old young man comes to you and you're not his dad but his, and his dad hasn't been in the picture much and you have been like a dad to him all these years and he wants to talk to you and when he asks if he can pick your brain, you tell him there's not much there but you can have what's left. Do you know what that is? Um, Senior year of high school, you've got your friends, your circle, you're tight, you're hanging out with your friends in the cafeteria, but you look up and there's this new kid sitting by themselves. You get up and with a smile you say, hey, my name's, my name's Lily, or hey, my name's Josiah, or hey, my name's Sarah. Do you mind if I sit with you? You know what that is? Or you show up at your son's jail cell to visit, and it's hard, and it's embarrassing, and it's Thanksgiving, and you wish you could be anywhere else in the world eating turkey and stuffing, but you're there because you want to remind your son that no matter what, you're here for him, and you love him. You know what that is? Or you drive two hours one way to see a kid's football game in the rain. It's not your kid, but you know this kid has struggled and has challenges ahead, and you want him to know that he's important to you, and that you care, and that you love him. Do you know what that is? Or you share a story with a friend that you trust. You've held this story in check for a long, long time. It is a deep, dark secret that no one knows. The story is about trauma and how that trauma has haunted you ever since that day, but mostly at night when you're alone. And you reach out to this friend because you know you need help. And that person reaches out to you to hold your hand, to hold your heart, and says, I don't know what you're going through, but I will walk with you through this. Do you know what that is? It's showing up in Port Arthur, Texas with no real skills to help, 
but you want to help and you'll do whatever. You know what that is. Tough love. The toughest of tough love. Isaiah pointing towards Jesus, shining the light towards Jesus, knowing that we're all knuckleheads and we'll roll back a hill or two or 20. This is from Isaiah, from the message. The fact is, it was our pains he, Jesus, carried, our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself that God was punishing him for his own failures, but it was our sins that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him, our sins. He took the punishment, and that made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed. Tough love, Jesus. Not Hallmark card, Jesus. Jesus in the garden before he goes to the cross. Pop, dad, Abba, Father, is there any other way to do this, to connect folks back to you? And in the silence of that night, Jesus knew what he had to do. Not my will, Lord, but yours be done. Yet while we were still sinners, knucklehead sinners, he went to the cross for us. The toughest of loves. God's tough love for us. Jesus models for us to do the same, to love someone when it's tough. Hold the light, hold the hill, Hold the hand, and the fourth and final point on your notes is repeat. Um, hold the light, hold the hill, hold the hand, repeat. Um, my dad, uh, my dad. Since we were little, we have a family whistle. Um, second service, you want to come back? My dad will do the whistle for you. But it goes, it goes something like this. When we were little, and he's got a much powerful whistle. One of, one of, my, one of my bucket list things is to learn how to whistle loud like my dad. Um, but he had this whistle. And when, we were, when we were young, we would be scattered in some box-type store. And dad would give the whistle. And we knew exactly when we get lost, we knew exactly where he was. And we, know, we knew whose um, was our dad. Um, hold the light. Hold the hill. Hold the hand. And repeat. Um, there's a, there's a scene in um, Steel Magnolias when Julia Roberts is arguing with Sally Field, her mom, about, uh, about life or death things. And Julia Roberts says this, and it's one of my favorite lines in the movie. 30 minutes of amazing is worth more to me than a lifetime of mediocrity. 30 minutes of amazing. God calls us to do amazing stuff. He challenges us. Do you really want to follow me? You got to take up one of those things. Put that on your back. There's cost. There's sacrifice to follow this Jesus. Um, last week, Pastor Patrick talked about um, cracked pots. Isaiah said the same thing. All we are like sheep, we have gone astray, each to his or own, own way. We, we are cracked pots. We have to acknowledge that. Pastor Patrick told us that's how the light gets in. I am convinced it's how the light gets out. It's how the light gets out. It's how grace and love are shared bunch of us were a part of a Grace Changes Everything weekend last weekend. As stories were shared, honest stories were shared, no masks, honest stories. You guys know I'm a mushhead. You know, I cry at co-commercials. But, but as people shared those stories, I wept. And not from here, it was from my toes. It was experienced God as people were sharing their stories, and it was so powerful. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel tells the story about those guys that they would not worship um, this golden thing. They, wouldn't, they would only worship the Lord. And they're sentenced to the fiery furnace. And I'm convinced dollars to donuts, they did not go single file into, into the furnace. They went arm in arm. 
Last week, there was a Bible study um, from our church. There was tough stuff shared in that Bible study. Usually at the end of that study, the group holds hands. But that night, because of the tough stuff shared, they held arms. Hold the light. Hold the hill. Hold the hand. And repeat. Five weeks ago, yesterday, my, uh, my dad shares this story, but my, my mom passed away. And dad was holding my mom's hand right as... as um, as mom passed away. Uh, and he tells this story. He was t- telling mom as she was struggling right at the end, let it go, it's okay, let it go, let it go, let it go. And they're praying. And then mom breathed her last. And dad says, mom had this smile, this smile like, um, like it is when you receive a gift, an unwrapped gift, and you, you hold it right there. And it's, it's, it's not opened yet, but it's this anticipation of this beautiful gift. Hold the light, hold the hill, hold the hand, repeat God's word, God's promise to us is this. Nothing, nothing, nothing will separate us from the love of God that is in and through Christ Jesus. Nothing, nothing. Um, I'm learning that God's economy is not like ours, our economy. You and me together, one plus one does not equal two. It equals 11 or 1,100. It's more powerful when we do this together. When we do this close to being right, we do this, we, we hold the light. We hold the hill, we hold the hand, and we repeat. Let me pray over us. Um, Heavenly Father, um, Lord, we are in a, uh, a bridge season, not a gap season. We're in a bridge season. And Lord, a bridge is, is out of strength. The gap is out of weakness. But we are here because of your strength. And Lord, I just pray for us, Lord. Lord, I pray that um, your word through the prophets penetrates our heart. And Lord, it's through your grace and mercy that that light shines out through us. But I pray this over this gathering and all God's people said very softly, amen, amen.